Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for this Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Rob Long, co-founder of Ricochet, host of the Martini Shot, a co-host of the Glop Podcast, contributing editor at National Review Online, in for Jim Garrity today. Jim has the day off. I don't believe he was in London yesterday for the Jets-Falcons game, and considering how the Jets played, I really, really hope he wasn't in London for the Jets-Falcons game. But uh, Rob, it is Columbus Day. First of all, welcome back. It's always well, I don't know what you, I don't understand those words. I think, Jim, <laughs> I, I did not know he was an indigenous person. I don't think he is i don't know i mean i don't know um i don't, I don't have his ancestry.com but um it is indigenous people's day and i'm in new york city where they uh, have to say now an indigenous people's day parade um and i think if someone someone suggested that the new the new the new governor if she really wants to stick it to uh the old governor cuomo when he's down she should just announce that from now on the official new york state title today is um, Indigenous Peoples Day because it's um, you know he was a, one of those Italian Americans very powerful Italian American family as we know the Cuomos and the one thing they really really dug in on um, like Tony Soprano uh, in the Sopranos and his crew uh, was that this is Columbus Day and Columbus was a great American. I think a lot of Italians uh, are still pretty upset with Andrew Cuomo. Remember his explanation for all the things he did and being overly affectionate was because he's Italian and he learned it from his parents. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. That didn't fly with a lot of people. I don't think a lot of Italians appreciated that. But, you know, Joe Biden, of course, is trying to push the envelope with this indigenous uh, uh, people's thing, although he did have a quasi-Columbus Day declaration uh, late last week. But, you know, uh, Rob, if any president should be able to appreciate a guy who didn't know where he was, Joe Biden should definitely (laughs) be that president. But that's true. If you're going to change the name, though. Columbus Day. Uh, Columbus so. Day. Yes, it's right. Although I think you might end up. Well, I don't know whether I can say this or not, but that does seem like it's more of a Mickey Rooney in Breakfast and Tiffany's kind of mistake. Um, and I'll leave the that clue there and and back away quietly so as to continue to work in the media. I haven't seen the movie, but I know exactly what you mean by that. I'm pretty sure. All right. All right. Let's get on to our. I don't know if it's our good martini. It's a kind of a confusing, mysterious martini to start off with here, at least in terms of the public explanation for what's happening here. Southwest Airlines. Remember, that used to be the fun airline uh, where they'd joke around with you. But, you know, it starts to be less fun when you don't actually go anywhere. And that's what's happening with Southwest. They canceled hundreds of flights on Saturday. They canceled about a thousand flights again on Sunday. It looks like they're canceling hundreds of flights again today. And the explanation from the uh, company is very cryptic. They're saying it's uh, weather. Uh, They're saying it's staffing issues. And then just a very vague reference to air traffic controllers. which is weird because other airlines weren't having the weather problem. Uh, and so some people are saying, look, the Southwest Pilots Association is uh, going to court to try and stop the vaccine mandate. Maybe this is a sick out. The Pilots Association says, no, it's not a sick out. Uh, other reporters are getting anecdotal evidence that it's not technically a, a work action. A lot of these people just have no intention of ever getting the vaccine. So they're taking all their uh, banked vacation time and sick days now. So uh, by the time they actually have to leave, they've used it all. And so it's not technically uh, a labor action, but uh, this is already becoming kind of a, a cause celeb, certainly on the right on social media. Hey, somebody's finally fighting back against this, regardless of what you think of the vaccines. So what is happening here as best you can tell and what's going to be the impact perhaps beyond Southwest Airlines? It's entirely possible. I mean, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. it is entirely possible 
that the corporate communications office of a large um, uh, American company, especially an airline, is telling the truth. I mean, there are weird supply chain things happening, and they don't tell you, they don't really like to tell you what is going on in an airline because they don't want you to worry when they say, well, we're having, you know, a lot of these parts are old and we can't find new ones. Like they don't want you to, no one really wants you to look too closely. They always say the same thing when you're on an airplane and it's, it hasn't left the gate and the pilot comes on and says, we're just going to do a little paperwork. And he kind of like <laughs> smiles like, oh, it's just paperwork. And we all look like, ah, you know, feds, paperwork, silly. It, instead of saying it's a very important gasket that goes in the thing and the fuel pump. And the, I mean, he doesn't say that. So we don't know. But it does seem to me that, I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is schadenfreude. I don't know. By the time I get to the airplane, and all of us get to the airplane, it's, it's much better now. But there was a time when you had been yelled at and corralled and prodded and searched and treated so poorly that you just were used to being bossed around. And there was this thing, you know, when you got you finally sat down and they would say something, you were you were you were mad about everything. I mean, I was anyway. And so I have I feel like there's a sense in America now. That after we have this COVID fatigue, that it seems to be ending on this note of reluctance on the part of our uh, bureaucratic overlords to just let us get back to normal. Look, I'm pro-vax. I think you should get a vaccine. If you haven't had a vaccine, I really think you need to think hard about why not. But I also understand, like, stop pushing me around. Stop it with the masks and this and that. I get it. I, I do get it. And so if it is this mandate thing, what do I care if the pilot of Southwest has had a vaccine? I don't care. I'm sitting behind him in a separate compartment, sometimes really far away from him, frankly, um, when I'm paying for the flight and then sometimes closer to him when someone else is paying for the flight. But basically, he's in a little <laughs> room. I'm in my little space. I've been vaxxed. I don't care if that's what it is. I understand. In my best John McLaughlin impression here, Rob, exit question. Two weeks from now, is this an old story or will we look back at this as the tipping point? Uh, you know, I actually think two weeks from now, it'll be an old story. I think four weeks from now, it'll be an old story. I think what's going to happen is that the caseloads are going to go down and a lot of things are going to go down and everyone's going to use that opportunity as a way to sort of back out of their crazier predictions. I mean, that's what Fauci's been doing, well, you know, sort of off and on. <laughs> um he may let us have Christmas. Uh, that, that's kind of so I, I just I, maybe I'm just hopeful, right? I'm a hopeful person. I'm an optimist. I think that's what's going to happen. That's what should happen. But no matter what, that is what's going to happen in America. And there may be a growing what I don't think would be good for the country, but may happen, have to happen. A growing divide between how Americans really live their lives and think about their lives and think about their health and think about how they're spending their time and whether they're going to wear a mask or not. And the way. Um, the sort of media bureaucratic complex wants us to. And if, if that happens, you know, the losers are going to be the media bureaucratic complex. It's not going to be American people. They tend to do what they want. Regardless of why this is happening, uh, if you're sleeping on the floor of an airport, you're not going to feel too good the next day or the next day, depending on how long you have to stay there. So hopefully you have a Theragun packed in your carry-on luggage. If not, you'll definitely want it when you get home. Look, don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, who's definitely not an elite athlete, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can really help. 
Theragun is insanely great. I have one. It is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension, uses a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. It's actually quieter. Uh, the big, the loudest thing that happens is you saying thing, me saying things like, oh, man, that feels good. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60 percent deeper than vibration alone so whether you want to treat muscle tension from working out <laughs> like me and greg or an injury or just the stresses of everyday life there's no substitute for the theragun gen 4 the oled screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future but just go to their site and check it out and the theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines it's pretty insanely great yeah, I love the Theragun. My wife loves the Theragun. And uh, the last thing Rob says is the thing that always boggles my mind. You can just use it and, and fire it up and, and put it on the muscles that, that need the attention. But the Theragun app actually learns from behaviors and suggests guided routines. It's definitely uh, provided a tremendous amount of relief to uh, sore muscles when you, you know, you pretend you're an athlete one day and then the next day your body reminds you that you're not. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George. DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and yes, me. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash martini right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash martini, therabody.com slash martini. All right, Rob. One thing among many that we don't appreciate when uh, Democrats are in charge in the White House is that they like to go along with really bad ideas at the U.N. And uh, this administration is no different. The latest idea, uh, headline from The Wall Street Journal, corporate taxes poised to rise after 136 country deal. There's a 136 country deal. <laughs> you can pretty much take it to the bank. It's not good. Not good. Uh, Wall Street Journal, nearly 140 countries agreed Friday to the most sweeping overhaul of global tax rules in a century, a move that aims to curtail tax avoidance by multinational corporations and raise additional tax revenue of as much as $150 billion annually. It would be set at a 15% rate, but the accord, which is a decade in the making, must now be implemented by the signatories a path that is likely to be far from smooth, including a closely divided U.S. Congress. However, you know, once upon a time, Rob, you know, before Barack Obama, things like this were called treaties and you needed two thirds of the U.S. Senate to actually ratify it. Now, of course, we don't do that anymore because, as John Kerry reminded us on the climate treaty, that's hard. And so Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, uh, says this is going to go in the Build Back Better bill, meaning that all you need is a simple majority to include this, along with uh, all the other disastrous uh, programs. She says uh, this uh, that uh, Biden's administration wants to end a global race to the bottom on corporate taxes. Why? By working with other countries in the G20 on an agreement for a global minimum tax rate. She said this effort is important in order to ensure that countries can raise the revenue they need to provide needed public services. So we're growing the government, and so we just need everybody's money. So, uh, Rob, uh, what's going to be the impact of this uh, if they can get it in the final version of the bill, meaning that Mansion and Cinema think it's okay? It's price fixing. I mean, that's all it is, right? It's the big cartels getting together and saying, we're never going to go lower than this price. If these were companies, the EU and the and the feds would be charging them with price fixing. This is a monopolistic price. This is cartels setting the price. This should be illegal. But what I love about it is like it, it is through the looking glass, right? I mean, sometimes you you when you, you know, you're talking to somebody about politics or policy or something like that, you realize, oh, they just 
believe the opposite of me. They don't disagree. They just come at it. If you believe that taxes are good and necessary and basically um, uh, everyone should pay a lot of them, um, then, of course, you want this because like taxes are good because it, to be against the taxes means essentially you're against, you know, widows and orphans. Right. Um, so this is a bad sign. This is a bad precedent when the oligarchs get together and set minimums so they don't have to compete with each other because what they do now is they compete. And, and frank, frankly, I, I, the EU has been winning this war against the I mean, American corporate taxes were higher than the, than a lot of his other countries for a long time. It's bad. It's a bad thing. It's bad when people stop competing. I think it's going to pass, but I think it's something that is that is terrifying. When I mean, what what is a global government except a, a government that no longer has to worry about another government undercutting it and stealing its business? And that um, that kept everybody at least at least partially honest. This is just this is pure <laughs> this is pure price fixing. People go to prison for this in the real world. This is a lot scarier than I originally thought when I started this Martini, Rob, the, the fact that you're uh, essentially uh, explaining how this is uh, leading to lack of competition between countries is very, very chilling. Uh, more Janet Yellen, because I know you all want to hear more about what Janet Yellen thinks about things. Uh, quote, it is about making sure that governments have stable tax systems that raise sufficient revenue to invest in essential public goods and respond to crises. And my favorite part, uh, and that all citizens fairly share the burden of financing government. That the, the, there is something more. To, I don't think it's any more terrifying than a bunch of uh, government tax collectors getting into a room together to try to decide how we're going to corner the market, how we're going to make sure that nobody says, wait a minute, what, what, what's the number over in Germany? Wait, what's the number over in uh, you know France? Um, that That is a disaster. That's a disaster and something that, like, that, that Frank, I mean, I can't imagine anything more un-American than that, but I think it's going to be the law. Once upon a time, we vetoed things like this without even blinking at the UN. Uh, gosh. Wow. All right. The Theragun's fantastic, but you also need to rest after stories like that. And so that's where we come to the fantastic products from my pillow. We have talked many times about the pillows themselves. We've talked about the luxurious towels. We've talked about the slippers. And now my pillow wants you to sleep better with their Giza Dream Sheets. We love the Giza Dream Sheets. They're soft. They're comfortable. Uh, they're, they're durable. They just... They last. They're great. And for a limited time, Three Martini Lunch listeners can buy one and get one free on any set of Giza Dream Sheets when you use our promo code martini at MyPillow.com. The Giza Dream Sheets, they are the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. Guaranteed. World's best cotton grown only in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. That's Giza. That's Egypt. Egyptian cotton's the best. It's long staple cotton. Makes it ultra soft and breathable. It's available in all sorts of colors and sizes. Of course, machine washable and typically for this company, a 60 day money back guarantee, one year limited warranty, which is pretty amazing. For a limited time, you can buy one, get one free on all Giza Dream Sheets. Go to MyPillow.com, click the radio listener square, and use the promo code MARTINI at checkout. Or call 800-874-0104. Find deep discounts also on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Don't miss the sale of the year. That's MyPillow.com, promo code MARTINI, or call 800-874-0104. Sleep better with MyPillow. Dot com. All right, Rob, let's talk about our crazy martini now. And we will have a chaser as well. So, you know, we've got five topics today, if you include our, our brief Columbus Day discussion. So five topics for the price of three today. But as I mentioned to Rob in our email exchange, if three and a half trillion can equal zero, five can equal three. 
So that's what we're going to go with today. So in Virginia, where I live, and uh, every uh, four years, in an odd-numbered year after a presidential election year, uh, Virginia is kind of the focal point because it's the most competitive uh, statewide race in the nation. It's usually kind of an indication of where the, the people are. In Virginia, historically, they usually go with the party other than uh, that the president has. The one exception in recent years was 2013 when they elected Terry McAuliffe for some bizarre reason over Ken Cuccinelli and... Uh, and McAuliffe is now, of course, running for a second time. In Virginia, you can't run for re-election. So he left. We got uh, Governor Northam and his uh, <clears throat> yearbook photos. Uh, but uh, McAuliffe is back. And the polls are very tight. Regardless of which poll you look at, there's even one from Mary Washington that uh, showed Yunkin ahead among likely voters a few weeks back. Most of them show McAuliffe ahead very slightly, always within the margin of error. And so, naturally... That means that uh, Democrats want to change the rules, even though early voting has already begun in Virginia. Uh, so here is the story from the American Spectator, Rob. Virginia gubernatorial contest uh, between uh, Glenn Youngkin and Terry McAuliffe clearly has supporters of the latter worried. Recent polls show a far tighter race than they expected. Consequently, it was all but inevitable that McAuliffe's allies would attempt to meddle with election laws using public health as a pretext. Sure enough, the Democrat-dominated Fairfax Board of Supervisors has asked Governor Ralph Northam to waive the witness signature requirement that Virginia law stipulates for all absentee ballots. Board Chairman Jeffrey McKay insists that the waiver is necessary, you guessed it, Rob, due to the threat of COVID-19, even though cases in Virginia are declining. And so they hadn't thought about this at all uh, before the voting actually started, but now we've got early voting underway. I could go off on a long rant about, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks of early voting. But nonetheless, it's begun. And now that the polls look like McAuliffe might actually be in trouble, especially since his, you know, parents have no business telling school boards what their kids should be learning, uh, they think he could be in trouble. And so amazing why the Democrats would want this particular uh, rule changed. This is always hard for me because it, this is exactly what they do that makes Trump supporters so enraged. And makes Trump supporters seem to a lot of people less imbalanced, right? I mean, you know, you kind of roll your eyes and, well, you know, they did, they recounted Arizona, Arizona's fair, right? But they, then they, then Democrats do something like this. And you're like, well, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait let, let's go back again. Maybe it is a power grab. I mean, the, the, the weirdest thing about this is that the use of COVID as it's, uh, our, our, as the argument, the excuse for this, COVID is actually less of a problem now than it was when voting started. It's less of a problem now than when they contemplated doing the, you know, when they, when they sort of began this election process. Um, so <laughs> as the one threat diminishes COVID, another threat, I guess, uh, emerged, which is Yunkin. Right. And it just gives every it it, it, it reinforces. Uh, I mean, I don't want to talk about all the other martinis, but it, if you're a Southwest pilot and you don't want to get a vaccination, this just reinforces it. None of this is real to anybody. They only use it as a way to keep or get power. And um, that's a, I mean, I think it's really I, don't, I can't believe I'm being so serious this today, but I, I actually think this is really, <laughs> really bad. I think yeah. it's bad. I, I mean, I I think that any Democratic Virginia Democratic uh, official who supports this is uh, is as bad as certain Republican uh, senators and politicians who supported the nonsense on January 6th. It's the same thing. And 
the idea that you can you're get you that it was wrong for one group to do it because it was loud and noisy and people were wearing funny hats and it's a right for another group to do it because they're in suits and having you know a, a committee meeting and voting to just to just to change one little line in a federal election process i think it's the same thing it's people just unable to face the fact that it's like sometimes you're going to lose an election and you know what it's okay you lose an election that's okay that has happened before Terry McAuliffe has already been governor. He might be governor again. And just the idea that the stakes are so high, we need to throw out fairness and sanity is just kind of depressing. You know, that th- this is not why we're celebrating Indigenous Peoples Day. <laughs> As many of our listeners know, you used to live in California. Uh, you, have since, you have since migrated to New York, which is so much freer. But uh, nonetheless, uh, for those... Uh, sadly, still in California, they have some more restrictions uh, headed their way. Not imminently, but uh, by January 1st, 2024. This is from KTLA, uh, Channel 5 LA. Uh, California will soon ban the uh, sale of new gas-powered leaf blowers and lawnmowers, a move aimed at curbing emissions from a category of small engines on pace to produce more pollution each year than passenger vehicles. Governor Gavin Newsom signed a new law on Saturday that orders state regulators to ban the sale of new gas-powered equipment using small off-road engines, a broad category that includes generators, lawn equipment, and pressure washers. Uh, The law he signed on Saturday uh, goes into effect January 1st, 2024, uh, or as soon as regulators determine it's feasible, whichever date is later. So, Rob, I don't know how much work you did with uh, gas-powered lawnmowers, but uh, you <laughs> I know. think you do. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not a lot. I certainly uh, grew up with one in Michigan. Uh, I mowed the lawn a lot with a gas-powered mower. It seems totally normal to me. I, I, I'd happily do it again. I think they're they're usually good products. Our lawnmower, when I was a little kid, I think it lasted over twenty years, in fact. But nonetheless, uh, more and more stuff not legal anymore in California. I'm sure you're shocked. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether a mower that this number is or um, it's a leaf blower, but there's six what sixteen point seven million of them in the state, which and, there, and it's only like thirteen million cars. Um, but a, a, an anecdote for this Golden State, I'll share. Um, I uh, I'm, I first moved there a couple of years later. Uh, I'm asleep one morning, and uh, like seven in the morning. And there's noise um, from my neighbor, my neighbors in the front of our street. And it's um, a leaf, two leaf blowers going. And this was exactly uh, a month after L.A. County. And I think I think more than L.A. County voted to make leaf blowers illegal. Two guys blowing leaves. They were uh, uh, clearly from Mexico, probably very recently, probably undocumented as as most of the hard work in California has done that way. And so some of the neighbors of Tony uh, neighborhood in, in L.A., some neighbor came out and said, I think that's illegal. You should stop that. Uh, you should get a broom. Just use a broom. And the guys kind of looked at her like, oh, why are you yelling at me, lady? I'm just going to I got to, you know, I got to do this all day. Um, and I think that's a perfect example of usual California regulations. It's some rich person screaming at some hardworking person that they're doing it wrong. Um, that that is true. Now, I have to say in the ensuing years, I mean, I lived in L.A. for 30 years. In the ensuing years, I didn't see anyone not using a leaf blower, despite the fact that they were illegal. So I suspect that California will make these uh, lawnmowers and leaf blowers illegal. And I suspect that people will be using these lawnmowers and leaf blowers uh, until, you know, you and I are just uh, our memories and specs in the memory of the human experience. It, um, 
it's one more uh, regulation on the books that won't be that that no one will pay any attention to. Um, and we just hope they uh, that doesn't that that virus doesn't spread. But um, that's California for you. It's not about getting rid of the mowers or the blowers. It's about passing a law and feeling good about yourself. Another crazy day out there on the uh, West Coast. Uh, Rob, always good to have you with us. Thanks for your time today. We'll do it again soon. Happy to be here. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day. (laughs) Thank you. Happy Columbus Day. I will stand up for Christopher Columbus. Thank you very much. (laughs) Memo. I did not. I caved. (laughs) Rob Long is the co-founder of Ricochet. He is the uh, host of The Martini Shot. He is the co-host of The Glop Podcast, and he is a contributing editor at National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Jim Garrity will be back tomorrow. Please join us then. In the meantime, please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch Podcast. If you don't already, please tell your friends about us as well. Always grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, Jim is at Jim Garrity. Rob is at RCBL. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Monday, and please join us again on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit danaradio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.